Hi, welcome to a Jefferson Parish Pulse bonus episode. I'm Kelsey Scram. We recently released an interview with Bob Arsenault, owner of Orleans Coffee. In his original interview, he shared some really interesting details about the process of cupping and how he uses it to choose the varying coffees that his business sells. We cut some of the interview for time, but we still felt that it deserved to be shared. If you're a coffee lover, like me, you'll find this bonus episode to be super interesting. Enjoy. Well, we, along with PJs, I I guess I have to include them, is we were the first specialty coffee roasters. You know, having worked for PJs in the early days, yeah, we bought really good coffee back then. And I'm still proud of the coffee we bought back back in those days. And I'm, I didn't buy the coffee for, I didn't know what Orleans Coffee Exchange were buying um, and coffee roasters of New Orleans, but I believe they were buying the same quality of coffees that were out available. Uh, nowadays, there's so much more information about every coffee I want to buy. I can go to an importer's website to look for a coffee and I can get, you know, I can get pictures. I get the names of the farmer. I like to joke. You can find out the farmer's farmer's dog's name, you know, and (laughs) I'm being facetious there, of course, but you know, altitude, the coffee variety, what kind of shade trees are used in the coffee fields? You can find so much information, but back in the late eighties, it was just a list. It was just a list, and you were picking coffees off of a list. Of course, you could get samples, small samples, and you can put them in your little sample roaster and cup them, you know, to decide if you wanted to buy that, that coffee or not. Um, and the thing about us, it was the, uh, the, the supply chain was farmer, exporter, importer, wholesaler, and retailer. You had a coffee, like back in the... the the late '80s, Gloria Jean coffee beans were in malls all around America. I met one of the, I met a guy that not the founder, but a guy that bought it and really grew that company really big. I met that gentleman years ago, and just this was began this, what they call the the third wave of coffee, uh, and well, no, I'm sorry, second wave of coffee, and that was this this Starbucks blowing up all over, and everybody wanted to be like Starbucks, and everybody's trying to open a coffee house kind of like Starbucks, and that just really blew everything up. And this, everybody needs to find more coffee, more great coffee. So there's more, more interest in coffees from places you'd never heard of. And I think what helped um, a lot was um, a guy named Kenneth Davidge wrote a book. On, on coffee and to me I refer to it as the first bible of coffee because that's where you could learn about coffees from what coffees from Ethiopia tasted like huh. in Guatemala and Kenya and that was everybody's basis of education to learn about more and more coffees um, but as so coffee roasters of New Orleans was the wholesale supply chain if you wanted to open up a coffee house somewhere in New Orleans or the or South Louisiana you probably bought from us or someone nearby because the internet didn't exist and it was hard to know about coffee roasters around the country unless you'd been to another city and became aware of that. So that was sort of the pattern. If you like, there was a time I could tell people we sold to almost every single coffee house in town, unless it was a big company like, you know, Cafe Du Monde or a big, a big chain like Starbucks, you know, and now the model has, the model has changed a lot, but what kind of differentiates us now 
through a lot of other companies is that we don't have a big chain of stores. We don't have Orleans Coffee Exchange, coffee houses all around the city. Um, we we still stay we're still in that mode of of wholesale distributor because we sell all these so-called we call ally products the syrups the sauces the espresso machines the brewers and grinders you want to open up a coffee house we're here to set you up you're a one-stop shop we're right? a one-stop shop and we're not gonna and we're not gonna open up a coffee house a mile down the road to eventually compete with you you know that's um yeah we op- we did open up a little espresso bar on Britannia, uptown New Orleans, right across from Tura Hospital. And I even had someone in Metairie say, oh, now you're competing with me. Hmm. And it's like, I'm not competing with you sure. at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that's that's our model for, for Orleans Coffee is that we're going to continue to source great coffees, train your staff, barista training. We're going to sell you the equipment, teach you how to operate it. We're going to work on it. So we're here to help coffee houses and food and beverage operations become successful. Obviously, you know a lot about coffee. I'm amazed that there is like a coffee Bible out there. Like that mm-hmm. is, I got to get my hands on that book. <laughs> it's, it's an old book. I think there's a, some new versions of that. Love you know, it. But that it's, is... a, it's a good book. And there's so many more coffee books that have come out in the I'm last sure. few years from people who growing up in the industry sure sure um you yourself are clearly very knowledgeable about coffee um i've come here before where you've been testing out the coffee coffee i think it was cupping or sipping so tell me a little bit about you know how you differentiate how how you know when you're when you're testing out these coffees and you're trying to figure out what the flavor is i mean there's a whole process and you are an expert on it so (laughs) Well, that's the really fun part of the job is cupping coffee. So we, we have a small sample roaster. Importers would send us a sample that we would request. We would say, for example, we're looking for a new Costa Rica Tarazu, Tarazu is a region. And I can get a, a few samples that are a little different from each other, and I could call two or three importers and ask for the same thing. And we would roast all of these samples exactly the same, all on the same day. And the next day, we would cup these coffees. We would put them in little a certain measure of coffee in a ceramic cup. And they're all blind cupping. We do a little color coding. And we have a, a form to fill out. And we're going to analyze, you know, we're going to grind the coffee. And we're going to analyze these coffees based on the fragrance of the dry coffee bean, co- coffee grinds. And because they have this wonderful array of aromas it might smell like bread or caramel or strawberries and lime you know and toffee and it's amazing what you can smell in these you know some people go it just smells like coffee it's like well yeah but we get a little bit beyond that and and then we're going to fill that cup of with coffee grinds we're going to fill it up with hot water and let it sit for a few minutes and we're going to be smelling the coffee the wet coffee grinds that are floating on top and we call that the crust. Or, and so, again, now it smells totally different. It Sometimes it smells like ketchup or it smells like barbecue sauce or it smells like just um, some crazy banana blueberry aroma. <laughs> okay. So that's aromas. That's separate from fr- when it's dry, it's fragrance. When it's wet, it's aroma. 
and I'm going to score them differently, whether it's good or bad or intense or weak. And then we're going to break that crust, and the, the grinds are going to sink, and then we're going to skim off any little foam that's on top, and we'll eventually do a little, we call it slurp and spit. You know, we're going to aspirate the coffee across our palate and kind of roll it around. And how does that coffee feel? Does it feel like water? Does it feel a little bit like half and half? You know, different different texture, how it feels in your mouth, you know? So that's mouthfeel or, or body. And then what's the flavor, you know? And is it bright acidity? Does it kind of lemony or is it kind of flat? Um and then, after, and of course, we're, we're going to spit it out because if you, if you just slurp and swallow, you just get all wired. You're just wired, and you really don't feel good. After you really feel bad. <laughs> sure, yeah, a lot <laughs> so of coffee. We, all so at you once, you yeah. just have to you have to spit it all out, <clears throat> and uh, but you still have an aftertaste. And is it is it sort of resonant? You can feel it resonating on your palate, um, the back of your tongue, or does it just fade quickly? So you score all this stuff on a scale of one to one hundred, and you can take off points for maybe a taint or a defect if there's something wrong with the coffee the coffee might have a uh, a taint called phenolic it might be phenolic it might be a little smell like might have a little touch of rubber in there it just hmm. smells it's not real rubber it just yeah. kind of comes off like that um, or if it was over fermented it would have this kind of ripe strawberry banana that's you'd like it to be good but it's it's overwhelming, right. and so it's thumbs down, huh. you know? And so you balance all that into your, your final score for that coffee. And yeah. so is that how you choose the coffees that you end up s- selling and putting out into the, you know, to all of your, your whole, wholesale or however you do that? It certainly is. We're looking for coffees that knock our socks off, and that's kind of the phrase when we're sitting there. So my my assistant who works with me on Copping coffee and buying coffee, Jenny Kennedy. We typically do all the cupping. Some people join in. You know, there's a handful of people here who will sit in on a cupping session with us. And we're always just looking for it to just knock our socks off. Sadly, we'll have days where we'll have four cups of, you know, four sets of of four cups. So I've got 16 cups on the table. We have four cups of each coffee. And uh, we'll just say, well, that was just a waste of time. Because sure. we get samples that weren't quite up to snuff. They weren't really what we were looking for. And so we just we really let an importer know, like, sorry, it's really not what we're looking for, and get them to go back to the drawing board. Well, um, I think that's great that you, you uh, Orleans Coffee has set such a high standard for themselves. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, I think that's a way that you guys differentiate yourselves, too. I mean, of course, all of the coffee in this region we like to probably we we hope that it's all up to that same Mm -hmm. quality Mm -hmm. but it is um i mean that's that's a a very long and involved process to find the right products Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that well we do want to continue to push the envelope on having really excellent coffees and there's some coffees that you can't find on our website because they're they're coffees that we use for blending or maybe for a dark roast but they still have to be very good they still have a quality level that they have to meet up with. You know, we buy a good bit of coffee from Columbia, Kelsey, and I do have an opportunity to go there on a fairly regular basis. And our importer has a special relationship with um, all the growers in a little town called Monserrate. And it's a beautiful little town. And the uh, owner of this importing company had been working with Atla- with 
the Monserrate farmers, really helping them understand how to grow coffee better and um, better practices of uh, getting better yields and better quality, um, all the things that take too long to go into today. And they invite uh, roasters such as myself to to go to Monserrate every year for a cupping of all the farms. So get to taste all the coffees That's from so the best. They Before we get there, they've already selected from 100-and-something farmers down to about 40. And we get to cup coffees for two and a half days, which is kind of brutal, <laughs> I have to tell <laughs> I you. I can imagine. <laughs> it's tough. But, but, but we get invited to to cup all these coffees over the course of two and a half days and maybe there are seven or eight other roasters from around the world that are with us from around the country and we whittle it down to the top ten and the what's really funny is as we have a round of cupping ten coffees and then we go take a little break get some water and we discuss those coffees and we describe the attributes and I think to an outsider it would be absolutely hilarious if you hear all the adjectives we use to describe these coffees they're really sometimes even I just really have to scratch my head at the use I'd love to hear things. some of these adjectives <laughs> I remember one time a guy described one was being smoked Moroccan lime and I went who gets to taste that <laughs> You that know. is a very specific <laughs> flavor. Yeah. And then, you know, the guy from Australia, well, he has a whole different palate than I do in the things that he gets to taste. So he's describing coffee with fruits and vegetables that he eats in Australia that we don't even have in America. Huh. And it's like, I can't relate. And then the people from Korea, well, that's just off the chart of the way they describe coffees. But through this process, we've found, formed our own relationship, really, with some of the farmers from Monserrate. Mm -hmm. So we've been supporting individual farmers whose coffee we've liked year after year. And uh, we had some visitors here this morning, and we brewed some coffee from one particular uh, farm, a lady named Nora Nelly, Nora Nelly Piamune, hard to say her last name. And uh, her husband's with, like, the military police, and he works in Bogota all the time, so he really doesn't work this farm. So we went to the farm. And we spoke with her. I got to meet her, you know, and through a translator, you know, when someone's telling her how much I express, appreciate all the hard work that she does for, you know, such high quality that she produces. And um, so we buy her coffee and we'll continue to buy her coffee and coffee from some of the other farms there because, like the old saying, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. You know, this is not your your mama's Colombian coffee. I mean, Colombian coffee is great and always has been great, uh, but getting, not just buying it from a certain region, not just from one town, but from this one particular farmer, I call it, you know, that's, that's really relationship coffee. So that I'm going to continue to support her. I'll continue to buy her coffee because she's worked hard to, to produce a great quality crop and we'll continue buying her coffee and promoting that for so that we're selling that in the New Orleans market. So when you go into any of these independent shops that we sell to and you're drinking this Colombian coffee, it's really good coffee. I, I think that's – I just love that there's such a, a story and such a, you know, so many layers to this story to what somebody drinks in their coffee at a restaurant. 
you know, like you don't think about all of those things whenever you're sitting down at, to, to have your morning cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I love that. I think it's really, it's really wonderful. And it's another reason why we started this podcast was really to, to share these types of stories because I don't think most people think about that. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that you know a lot about the business um, just from our conversation today, but um, you're part of the Specialty Coffee Association. You've taught events on roast and coffee. You test all of your products before they go out into the world. Uh, your passion for this industry, I think, really shines through. So why have you placed such an emphasis on educating other people about how to make good coffee? You know, I'm talking about not just not just your wholesalers, but consumers and everybody i mean i feel like you really can find a lot about how to how to make coffee the right way how to do it right on your website and you know anywhere Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. see you guys coffee has to go through such a gauntlet to get to your cup and be really good from everything from the little little seed in the nursery to being planted and pruned and throughout the years and picked and you know, things can get mishandled all along the way. But let's say, for example, everything's done right from seed all the way through great picking and, and processing and, and et cetera, et cetera, and get roasted right. And then when the, and then it gets ground improperly and then it sucks. Like, why does this coffee suck? Well, like everything, it was great coffee to begin with, but you ground it too coarse, you ground it too fine, and it's not good. And people don't know why. So we always want to educate people of the, you know, the, the right amount of coffee that's ground properly, the right amount of water, the right temperature can produce a fantastic cup of coffee, no matter if it came from Brazil or Ethiopia. It doesn't matter. You know, in the right roast level, um, you know, too much coffee, not enough coffee. You know, coffee's not hot enough or, or too hot. Just ruins coffee. So we always have to continue to teach, you know, retail customers proper proper ways of brewing coffee, proper ways to grind coffee. Um, a gentleman came in this morning. Um, he's a home roaster. Hmm. And so he buys some coffees from us um, to put in his little roaster, and he wanted to buy a grinder, and he wanted to spend a small fortune on a grinder, you know. And so I helped him go through a website. We don't really sell grinders for consumers, but I guided him to a website and recommended some brands and told him what he should buy and what he should stay away from. And to help him, because he realized this little, I don't, I don't need to say the name brand, but it's just probably a, a $30 grinder that's just not doing the job anymore. But he was willing to spend a couple grand. Well, he wants to, but I don't think he's going to, you know, somebody else in the household is saying, <laughs> maybe <Sure>. not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, like, that's well, let's fair. find, let's find something a little bit less expensive that can do a great job. But mm-hmm. so, you know, but we get this all the time, emails, phone calls, visits. We want to help end users brew great coffee and we do the same thing on the business side we help people set up coffee houses get the right equipment for for the kind of business model that they want to have um and we teach them and their managers and their staff how to properly brew coffee how to properly grind espresso tamp pull shots foam milk etc so you you do it all which i love i think that's just wonderful Every Thursday, we will release new episodes of the Jefferson Parish Pulse. This season, we're highlighting the manufacturers that have helped to make this area a hub for business and innovation. 
To be sure you don't miss out on these amazing business stories, subscribe to the Jefferson Parish Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you like what you hear, feel free to give us a good rating or leave a comment on the episode. All of that helps other people find our show and enjoy it too. Of course, we will be sharing links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. You can also visit our website at jetco.org. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback about the show or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at casegram at jedco.org. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>